Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, the Unity Project podcast is one about the relationships that we have with our bodies. For today's episode, I got to interview a dear, dear human named Dharamjeev. She was so incredible to talk to and to learn from and to ask questions. Full disclosure, this is the first podcast episode that I actually cried after from just processing my own internal work from the things that she said because it was so helpful and so beautiful. Dharamjeev talks a lot with us about mantras, kundalini yoga, grief, sobriety, somatic processing, anger, talking to your inner child, honoring your emotions, all sorts of stuff. She was incredibly helpful and also, by the way, is an incredible writer. So definitely go check out her work, reading her Her work was so life-giving to me before interviewing her and getting to know her story. So yeah, I hope that you enjoy. If you guys are enjoying the Unity Project podcast and you want to support me and get more involved in what I'm doing, then you can go check out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash JackieGTV. That is where you can support me for as little as $1 a month. Or if you'd like to learn more about my story and how I got from there to here type of thing, then you can check out my book, Finding Home. That is the story of me looking for what the meaning of home is and how to find home inside of my own body. If you want to pick up a copy of that, then either send me a DM on Instagram or check out my website. All of that information, the links will be in the description box below. Or if you want to support me but cannot afford to do so financially right now, then leaving a review anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Podbean, leaving a review down there, letting people know what you think, that is extremely helpful. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoy. Dharamjeev, how is it going in what I think is one of the most beautiful places in the world up in Canada? It's going really great. I'm here on unceded territories of the Liquida people in Campbell River, and I think that you should definitely come visit. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. For those listening, I just got to FaceTime for like five seconds before the internet just gave out with Dharamjeev, and I saw a little bit of the background of the ocean where you were, and I got insanely jealous. Oh, my gosh. It's a gorgeous day here today. We have a little bit of spring weather, but the mountains are covered in snow, so we've got the snow-capped mountains and sunny skies, which is really pretty. Oh, that's so good. Did you grow up there in Canada? Um, yeah, I'm from BC, which is one of the provinces here, and I've grown up in a few small towns, but this is my landing landing space for now. Okay, well that is very, very cool. Well, for those of you listening, Dharamjeev is a wonderful person that I found on the Instagram, as we find so many people these days, and I just finished up reading some of her writing that she sent me, and oh my goodness, I wanted to cry. It was so good. (laughs) So many important topics from grief to, even you wrote something about menstruation, that I think is so beautiful that I've never I've never talked about in that kind of way and mm. I just have so many questions for you so I'm excited to get to talk about bodies and all the things awesome 
Yeah. So the question that I will ask to, well, that I start off all the podcasts is to descri- describe the relationship that you have with your body. Okay. Um, well, I have recently gone through a big time of transformation or change in my life. I've moved into a new physical space and um, ended a relationship. And with that, a lot of um, tender places in me have been touched on. And with that, it's been it's created some really fertile ground for deepening into my relationship with my body and so I would say that I have a relationship of listening Mm. to my body and listening to its wisdom and listening to the voice of the body and also um, all of the different parts because the body isn't separate from mind heart spirit and I would say that Currently, I'm deepening into owning what it's like to be me, how to, how I move through the world and how I experience the world, which uh, I would say I've always been quite sensitive. And so I experience a lot through feeling and sensing energy, mm-hmm. and that happens through being grounded in my body. So I would say that comes through breath being with breath consistently mindful breathing and just curiosity like there's a relationship of curiosity and gentleness and a mantra that I've been using a lot lately is this too belongs um to not make anything wrong and just to allow to meet myself where I'm at so I guess I'm taking a lot of the the things that I'm a mentor and I'm a teacher. And so (laughs) I'm really in a place of what I share with other people. I'm, I'm embodying that myself and taking those messages to heart myself. Mm. Um, I'm also, I would say I'm really in relation in a place of um, being in relationship to noticing the cycles So cycle awareness for my body, Um, being a woman, I've really deepened in the last, I'd say, three months into connecting to my menstrual cycle and um, the Indigenous teachings that I've received, and that's a part of my ancestry, around what we call moon time, is that when a woman is menstruating, it's a sacred ceremony. And so I've really been deepening into connecting to my body during that time and mindfully slowing down and listening, paying attention to my my dreams, paying attention to sensations and really holding sacred space for myself. Um, So yeah, I would say like I'm in this place of relationship, like like deepening my relationship and um and that's not exclusive to body it's you know mind heart spirit as well Mm. okay that sounds like such an exciting place to be yeah just kind of like it feels like the beginning in the middle of so many really important things yeah 
Yeah. Um, tell me more about mindful breathing. I Every time I do yoga, there's always all <laughs> sorts of conversation about it. And I've actually recently wanted to do some research on it. What is that all about? Um, so, I mean... It could, it could be, that could be a whole hour long conversation. Mindful, mindful breathing can be as simple as just sitting here and bringing your full attention and awareness to the breath. So the mind likes to take us on a ride. (laughs) It likes to make meaning of our experience and whatever's going on, um, the things that we're being stimulated with in our lives. And so the breath can be a way to anchor and come into the body and to come into awareness of what's in the body, into noticing. So uh, it's almost like you're directing the mind or commanding the mind where to go and in the practice of kundalini yoga and meditation which is a practice that um it's a part of my personal practice we use mantra so mantra is a word and a lot of times we use the mantra sat nam and it means truth is my identity and so as you're breathing to focus the mind, you can use the mantra and you can internally say on the inhale, sat. And then on the exhale, you mentally vibrate that mantra, nam. Mm. And then continue with that. And um, I oftentimes will play mantra in the background in my home or if I'm doing like a 40-day specific practice where I'm working with a certain mantra the really cool thing about that is it doesn't just affect or impact the breath but it also impacts the quality of thoughts because that mantra um, it stops the thoughts and it replaces the thoughts so I've had so many beautiful hikes through the forest on the island here where I have mantra playing beautiful words playing through my head as I'm walking and it's like I can really be drop into my body and be more present um, than going off um, and sort of jumping on the horse if there's a thought that comes and um, I'd say a main addiction for me that I've noticed along my path has been to the mind two thoughts and so that's been a real support to me I know you asked about breath and I totally went in a different direction (laughs) that's totally fine I'm sure it all connects in some kind of way yeah yeah no that's very cool um well I have a bunch of questions about so many things but before we get into that I want to hear more about your story um I guess like the way you talk about your relationship with your body and yourself, I love how you mentioned how it's more than just your body, but we're all one whole person and so much, there's just been so much conversation at least that I've had lately about the disconnection between your body and yourself and how it feels separate and how that's kind of where sickness comes and Mm. it's like in integrating you back to your body and knowing that you're all just one person is, there's so much healing there. And so Tell me about what, when was a time like when you felt the most disconnected from yourself or from your body? There's so many times. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And what comes up the most for me is after my dad passed away. So my dad um, had an accident and oh gosh, I forget how many years ago, maybe about eight years ago. And he was in the ICU for a few months um, in and out of consciousness and um, in a coma Mm. and um, had emergency brain surgeries. And it was just a really shocking, shocking time and shocking for my body, like for the nervous system. And after he passed... A lot of stuff came up in the family and um, it was my first big experience of grief in that close, in a close way. Mm. And uh, alcohol and drug use has been something that's always been an issue for me. It's never been something um, that I could do in a moderated way. And um, it just, it's not something that, is authentic to me being in my best best self and so during that time I started drinking a lot because the emotions were so overwhelming and um, I was in an abusive relationship or emotionally abusive relationship at that time and so I felt really alone and so I used that as a as a support something to lean on and you know it makes a lot of sense that I was in pain and didn't want to wanted to feel comfort and it makes a lot of sense so I have a lot of compassion for myself with that but when I look back on that time and the years that followed um, which involved a lot of heavy drinking and the funny thing about me is that you know even though I was doing that I've always been a bit of a seeker I've still been a mindful person and (laughs) like my brother-in-law once upon a time said to me you're the most like self-aware person I know that does some of the dumbest shit (laughs) oh my gosh what a statement (laughs) Uh, right um that was I mean a lot has shifted since then but um I feel like when I travel back in my memory to that period of time in my life I feel like I was living outside of my body Mm. like I was just living so unconsciously I was in a relationship that really was not in alignment for me I sort of lost my or separated from my light and um, it took me some time to recover from that and come back to myself Um, but that's just one that's just one time out of many and you know that feeling of of or that pattern of dissociating and going outside of myself um sort of living outside of or existing outside of my body that can be traced traced back to being a teenager um their sexual trauma um my childhood being young and um, being in a home where living and growing up in a home where I was afraid of my dad and his temper and his anger Mm -hmm. and um, yeah I try and take it when I go there in my memory I try and take it back as far as I can because I'm up for healing I'm up for growing I'm up for learning because I really 
my purpose of being here is to serve and support others. And I know that I can only take people as far as I've gone. And so um, I'm really committed to pulling this stuff out at the root and, mm-hmm. and doing the work and meeting, meeting and integrating all of those parts of myself. Yeah. Wow. I love you said that last night too when we were when we were talking about how you could only take people as far as you've gone. And I think that is so just so well said. As someone told me a long time ago when I was giving some kind of speech about something, she's like, You just speak about what you know, not about what you wish you knew. And mm. it really stuck out to me because you can really tell when someone actually has put in the work on their own to get to these certain places before right. teaching it or speaking on it. I just think that's so that's so lovely. Um, you you talked about how you felt separate from your body um, back around the time when you were grieving your dad. What what did that feel like? Like if you could describe hmm. like what all like went on. Hmm. I don't know what the word is for that. I guess it felt uh, ungrounded, yeah, ungrounded and sad and lonely and painful, painful, Mm -hmm. like, because there was a separation from, from me and from my essence and from my truth and from my heart and... Um, yeah, it was like sort of a place of marinating in my pain (laughs) rather than meeting it and being, being with it. And I think there was a lot of fear for me at that time, a lot of fear, which makes a lot of sense to the fear. Um, but there was a lot of fear of feeling, feeling the grief and feeling the feelings and, that's sort of been my path, especially in the last few years um, in being sober. So I'm coming up on four years sobriety in hey. June. And I'd say that emotional sobriety, if you can call it that, I don't like the naming of it doesn't matter so much as the feeling and the experience of it for me. But that's been the work for me is really building my capacity to experience my emotions in my body and not just the emotions of um not just the emotions of the present but whatever is old and there's some residue in my physical body and that's a lot of the somatic work that I've done um with support of processing these memories through the mechanism of the body and sensation. Mm. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the way you talk about the feeling, the disconnection from yourself and the pain and the the fear of feeling it really is so unbelievably relatable. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, it makes yeah. all the sense in the world yeah. that that things like drinking and drugs and whatnot would be so helpful at that time because it's like you're just trying to get to the next day. Totally. And I'll say, I'll say that, um, uh, somebody recently said to me they're early on in their sobriety and they said that they felt like a fraud because they had had a craving 
a craving to drink. And I said to them, well, would you think that I was a fraud if I told you that I had had thoughts about drinking? And they said, well, no. And I've gone through periods in my sobriety where I've been really embodied. I've been really strong. I've been really resourced and in a flow state in my life. And or even there's been challenges, but I've been my capacity to meet them was strong. And so there hasn't been even a thought like about drinking or using anything. And going through the last, I don't know, six or seven months, it's been very challenging. It's I've moved through some really dark times and I've probably thought about drinking more in the last two months than I have in my entire sobriety it doesn't mean that I'm going to pick up I'm not like this is my path and I wouldn't do that but at the same time like that thought there I I don't make it wrong either like it makes a lot of sense that sometimes we're in situations where we require relief and so thank goodness like thank goodness that I'm I'm resourced. Thank goodness I have so many tools. Thank goodness I have so many supports and community. And I'm just grateful that I've walked the path that I have because I can meet, I'm pretty sure I could meet any situation. Yeah. Wow. That, that is also extremely relatable. I think that that takes a lot of, hold on. My dog is so upset. Leo. <laughs> Stop being upset. <laughs> he keeps crying oh. and I'm like, he's just, oh, he's a whole he, situation over there. <laughs> he's like, oh, darn, Jeeve, I feel your pain. <laughs> exactly. That's what's going on. Thank you for your empathy, Leo. It's all good. He's this big pit bull mix that's oh. like, looks super tough, but he's such a soft oh. little ball of goo. It's so cute. <laughs> I love pit bulls so much. They're such nice dogs. Oh, same here. Same here. Um, hmm. But anyway... Uh, it takes so much power to be able to look at things like, like just as an example, the craving of alcohol or like I struggle with an eating disorder, like wanting mm -hmm. to go back to those eating disorder behaviors and whatnot, because it takes so much uh, power to be able to look at that with compassion mm -hmm. and to be able to hold that and be like, okay, that's just the truth of where I am. It totally makes sense because it does, because it is helpful and it was helpful at the time, but now we're using other things. And it's just very, very encouraging to hear you talk about it like that. Um, yeah, we, we meet ourselves where we're at. And I relate to the, um, the finding balance in relationship to food and working out and exercise because that's something that I've also struggled with I think because I have this addictive tendency in my mm -hmm. mind to or used to have this addictive tendency to be black or white I have to be really careful when I'm engaging in those sorts of things of um, like going to the gym or um, going for a run um, lifting weights, those sorts of things to, to do it in a way that's nourishing to me. And same with food, like if I'm eating healthy and being mindful about what I'm eating that um, I've noticed, even in the last year, I've noticed that I have to keep an eye on that in terms of um, it's a way to have control. It's a oh, way yeah. and 
my life felt really out of control for some time and um, it, it had a bit of an edge, my relationship to those things in the last while. And so, you know, I'm also grateful. I'm also grateful for that experience because um, I think that's been something it's been something that I've held really close my entire life and haven't talked about a lot. Mm. And I'm really grateful that I am the woman I am now seeing these things about myself because I can really notice them in a conscious way and bring, like you said, compassion and gentleness to heal that or even just meet it, meet, meet it and meet myself where I'm at in it. Yeah. Yeah, that, what you're saying is kind of reminding me a lot of, I think it was the first piece of writing that you sent me about anger, mm. anger for your younger self and how, oh, it was so well said. You like, it took yourself back and forth to meet the different versions of yourself and mm. just be angry for yourself or be there for yourself or be whatever you needed. And then I think yeah. at the end, let me look at this poem. I kind of want to read the end of it. <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, for sure. Okay, let me find it here. That is not the right email. <laughs> let me possibly find it here. I, I have it if you need it. Oh, do you want to read the last, like, little... Little bit? Yeah, the last little bit where you, like, leave a mirror of yourself or something? Sure. Oh. Well, that's at the beginning of it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I must have it backwards. That's uh, okay. Which part can, do you want? Just you read it all? It. Yeah, you know what? Why don't you just read it? Because it's not that long and it was so yeah. good. Sure, I'd love to read it. Okay, <laughs> that's perfect. Um, so I've been working with anger and creating um, space in my body to have the capacity to um, experience my anger and also to... Um, separate, separate from anger or rage that's in my body that isn't mine. Mm. So I said, I bow to my anger. I bow to the unprotected child within me. I visit her there in the dark. I bring the light to her, keep a candle burning for her always. I don't stay with her there in the dark. I show her the way out extend my hand and loving gaze for when she wants to move. Let her know it is okay to come out and also to stay there as she mm -hmm. is. I place a mirror beside her, stand in front of it to look and see myself, tall, strong, fierce, like a mother. I leave my reflection there with her, always. I bow to the angry young woman, the teen within me, I meet her pained and fierce gaze with mine, hear her sacred no, an internal scream, lend to her no, an internal scream, lend to her, allow that sound to move through and out of me. I see her, assure her I am with her, always have been, and that it was me, in fact, my holding, that time she felt she might drown, might like to drown. I bow to the angry woman in me, breathe with her, with long, deep breaths in and out, with patience, grace, forgiveness, and endless understanding for when her heat within creates a scorch without, knowing that the burn is then worst for her. I bow to her anger, her lifetime of anger, 
I see it now, an honorable sentry protecting her safety, her body, her being, her heart, her essence, truth, space, and worth. I look to the woman in the mirror, to the one with firm feet on the ground, Wabishka Megazi Ikwe, White Eagle Woman. She dances, she sings, she is the channel, she is the way. That body, that courageous open heart that is afraid and sure all at once. She will walk the path, gather up all the lessons. She will take them and make them her medicine. Mm. Oh my gosh, I'm sitting here just like, smiling all like uh-huh. little dumb smile it's uh-huh. so it's just so sweet and it says so much about mm. the healing process like just yeah. that first part about you like standing strong in the mirror like a like a mother mm-hmm. it's so huge like given I don't know your whole story but I just know at least like with my story and so many of of people I know like the healing process looks so much like going back and and mothering yourself and being who you needed and like and like how you say in that first part where you meet yourself there but you don't stay with her there you let her you give her like the option to stay but you also show her the way out and that's so important because just the idea and concept of like being able to sit in the pain and sit in the hardness and the grief and just whatever that feeling is, is so important to get to the other side of it. The way you put that's just so wonderful. Thanks. Yeah. She's, she's come out of the, she's come out of the dark a few times with me and wanted to come and then she goes back and yeah, this is like that, that writing comes all out of doing somatic processing and work and that's my integration of that experience and I see her so and she is me um, I see her so vividly there and feel her feel her and feel that memory of her in my body and um, it it's really beautiful the experience of having that because I feel a connection to that part of myself. I feel a connection to her and it hasn't always, it hasn't always been that way. And I remember um, like my child self, like you asked a time when, when I felt the most disconnected and I can remember her, the, the time where she felt the most disconnected was when she felt the most, when she felt the most in her body and was mm. so, so scared. And I remember as a little girl thinking I'm shaking like a leaf because I was so scared I was I was shaking and my mom was holding me and I remember thinking like like I was like a baby bird and my heart was going to stop because I didn't understand what was happening in my body and Mm. so you know I just laughed I just went outside of myself just like I did when I was a young woman and my dad had passed and I was dealing with that grief and and just left so um it's so it's just a really tender and beautiful experience to allow her to stay to allow her to be as she needs to be and honor that I don't think that that part of me will always be in the dark and she's not because like I said I brought the light to her and she's got that so mm-hmm. yeah I used to I used to think like I've come up against 
um, it's also really cool to be able to talk about this so freely because I used to come up against judgment around I'm this grown ass woman talking <laughs> about her like inner child and and um, going into the past and I think I was really conditioned and culturally maybe we're conditioned around our grief around our emotions that that there is a process that that has it has to look a certain way or it can't look a certain way but um this is what I really this is a part of my message to people that are up to meeting themselves is that that process can look like any anything it can feel like anything as long as you're not hurting other people and you know sometimes that happens too and I think we just need to meet ourselves where we're at and take the path that works best for us and this has been a huge part of my medicine is doing that inner child work and now my inner teen um, has been making an appearance and that's been pretty wild especially with the ang- the anger because she's angry mm, yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense how you talked about disconnecting as a kid because you just felt so much you don't know what to do with it yeah what like what was your experience like as a kid like were there messages or anything that happened that made you believe that feeling was not okay or that feeling was bad or feeling too much or like where do you think that came from um well there was an unspoken agreement in our home like there was a family contract I guess is a way of putting it um my dad uh drank and he had a temper and he would act out and that would be acted out on myself my sister my mom um it feels really vulnerable even like saying this out loud on a podcast because Mm. I I have been so conditioned to protect him and protect an image of him and he was a good man in a lot of ways and he did have integrity in a lot of ways and also I was terrified of him and he broke my heart and it was very confusing and so with that agreement of protecting it was like we we took on protecting him from his shame so if he did something bad like acted out and caused commotion and chaos in our family home it was like it was very quickly swept under the rug and so like that night that I um was a little girl and shaking that next day it was we moved pretty quickly past that and um and so there wasn't a lot of space to process the experiences and that's just one night of um you know a lifetime and I don't really remember all of them and I'm in a place in my healing where I'm in relationship to my anger and uh I haven't always been been in that place with my dad. And I think I put him on a pedestal in a lot of ways. And what I'm being called to, so I'm a sun dancer, which is, um, it's a spiritual path and it involves like indigenous ceremony 
And the last Sundance that I danced in, I had a vision of my dad at in his highest self. I saw him in the clouds. And what I'm what I believe I'm being called to is to be able to connect and be in relationship to him in that place. And in order to do that in a really authentic way, there's things that need to be worked through and there's things that need to be cleared away. And so that's what's happening for me right now with the anger. And I'm still learning and I'm so curious and, you know, I almost love this. I just feel so lucky that I get to do this work and get to heal this in the lineage of my family. But it's, it feels like the anger is it's a part of its role is to create separation separation from what is not mine so whatever I've taken on of his whether it's his shame because we I had that role of protecting him from that and mm -hmm. upholding that you know vision of my dad um Perhaps it's the anger and the rage too. I don't, I don't know fully, but um, I have done some healing around my relationship to my mom. And, you know, that was a long journey and, and a beautiful journey because it ended in such an openness of heart. And the key there, the key in healing that relationship was, again, experiencing in my body. And um, you, I know you and I have talked about it a little bit, that plant medicine has been a part of my journey. Yeah. And being in ceremony and working with um, different plant medicines has been a big, big part of healing that relationship because it takes you into consciousness and it takes you deep into yourself and brings forward what you're ready to to meet and it's the key with I remember that moment I remember that moment of healing that relationship with her and I had sat in ceremony and I had some insights and then I called her and I felt so free and so much lighter healing that relationship and the key was um compassion and forgiveness for myself so I was projecting so much of my anger from the situation with my dad onto her and wondering why she didn't leave and mm -hmm. why she didn't hold space for me to be sad or angry the next day or whatever it was and what I was shown in that ceremony was my life and I saw relationships I had been in, relationships that I probably stayed in longer than was necessary. And I saw myself in love and I saw how painful it was for myself to be in love and, and have somebody hurt, you know, break my heart. And and in that, I was able to have compassion for myself and, you know, forgive myself for not always acting in a way that I would have wanted to. And by doing that, I could empathize with my mom and her path and understand her journey and meet her on that level. So when I had that conversation with her, it was like, 
I could give back to her whatever I was carrying for her, which mm-hmm. was her pain. And, and so I have this inkling that there's something around that with my dad. And so the anger is medicine. It's the medicine for now, for now to like create that separation and whatever comes next. And yeah, it's all, it's all body-based. Like it all happens by being present in the body and feeling. Hmm. That is so interesting. You, you talked earlier about, you call it somatic healing or what's the thing you're doing in therapy? Yeah, so I don't really know exactly what the person that I work with, what she would call it. Um, but so, soma, from what I do know about it, most of what I what most of what I know is just through experience but soma means body and so the person that I work with their background is um yoga and energy work and so you're working with the soma you're working with the body and so say and that can look like a lot of different things but one one way it can look like is say you have a memory where um, say there's a traumatic event and so you you might experience that or come to that naturally through first having some conversation and then lying down and coming into presence through the breath perhaps with your hands on hands on your own body um, for support or the person that's working with me will put certain pressure or touch in certain places again to like help to ground into the body and um, I did have a teacher once say that anything that's really really young like say um, age eight up to the age of seven um, if there's any trauma that's in the body or that's happened um, in those early years, it's really helpful to have somebody to walk you through it, to have that witness, to have that support. Mm-hmm. I think I heard, I think I heard somebody say on one of your other podcasts that um, they mentioned how, you know, trauma or that kind of pain happens in relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's best healed within relationships so I've I've found having that support really helpful but say you have this memory comes up naturally through the process of being in the body so you track it you track it and track the sensation you name the name the sensation um you maybe give it a color and what I've noticed Um, in this practice is it's sort of like going back and forth because the mind will come along for the journey and the mind will also like to take over and make it mean certain things and so the practice is just staying with the sensation and when the mind comes in notice the mind and then come back to the body come back to the body with the breath come back to the body with touch and through that you can meet that part of yourself um One experience I've had is I went to a memory where I was very young. The memory was of my dad spanking me. And my mom and my sister were in the room. And it was like, I felt humiliated because they were at the dinner table. And I felt like I was being watched in this really painful 
experience because, you know, I, I adored my dad. I was daddy's little girl and here he was, I knew, I knew what was coming and I was receiving all of his anger. And so what I experienced in that session was feeling my, the state of my nervous system at that moment. And it was like this state of confusion, like it's like a, a state of um, like there was anger, there was sadness, there was confusion, there was like fear, all of it. And it's like I could feel my energy going in all different directions. And so as I understand it, sometimes that trauma response can get like stuck in our memory, in our inner body, in our nervous system. And so in our body, in our nervous system. And so we can be patterned from that place. And um, if we're triggered in some way. And so we oftentimes will create in our lives situations where our nervous system goes into that state again so that it can be resolved. Mm. We can do that through the somatic processing. And so you give your nervous system a different experience. So I would do that by bringing my present day adult self, or I could envision bringing a support, like some other support to help and then reimagine that experience and then feel that in my body, what that new experience is. Maybe I'm, telling my dad to stop. Maybe I'm pushing him. Maybe I'm grabbing myself by the hand and taking me out of out of the room. And I'm in relationship to her. What does she need? What does she want? What's her energy? And I'm feeling that again, all in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, that's been really powerful. And, and it's not all like, it's not all the hard and heavy stuff one of the things that I love about this practice is I've really been able to expand my capacity to feel a state of peace and ease and expansiveness and being supported and feeling safe in my body by going to the sensations, going to like if there's anxious, nervous energy going into that. And sometimes going into it means that it gets a little sharper and then it maybe it moves, moves to another part of the body and then you bring your presence to that. And it's like you go a layer deeper and then a layer deeper. And I've had the most beautiful experiences of feeling like I am still water And I remember the first time that I experienced that within a somatic session and I laughed and the woman that I work with, she laughed too because she's really sensitive and and so she was picking up on that like kind of playful, fun energy and, and she was curious why I laughed and I said, is this like, is this my natural, this is my natural, like it was so familiar, but also so foreign at the same time. Like, this is my natural state. Like, this Mm -hmm. is nice. Like, I like just wanted to roll around in that and really take it in. And, and, you know, I don't live there always. um, But I certainly have tools that support me to strengthen my capacity to go to that place. And, 
Um, that's one of them. Kundalini yoga is one of them as well. Meditation is another one of them too. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds very similar, a different, um, like a different, the bones are different of it, but very, very similar. I brought up last night when we were chatting, uh, EMDR. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like, like what I'm understanding is like you're reprocessing yeah. past trauma because your body hasn't been able to finish the process yet, which is what makes it trauma. And so yeah. then when you're able to reprocess that now in like a safe environment and with someone that, with someone that you trust, um, you're able to like complete the process and then you're able to reprocess it, but with one foot. My therapist talks a lot about having like one foot in the past and one foot in the present so that, you know, you're grounded and safe while you're processing it. It's so powerful. Totally. And she talks a lot about, or she's always asking me like, where do you feel that in your body? Or what, where do you feel your anger? Or where do you feel your hunger? Or where do you feel your anxiety? And it makes me so interested in just like hearing things like you're saying or other people I've interviewed talking about like the body holding trauma in these different ways or holding these memories or holding mm -hmm. wisdom. And I just wonder like, how do you listen to it? And is that, is that kind of just through these methods that you're talking about, like Kundalini yoga and meditation and, and the, listen, how do you listen to it? Like, I think, okay. If I'm understanding your question, I think it, it's just a practice. Like it's a practice of being committed to the process and whatever that process is for you. Like for some people, this, you know, the avenues that I've taken wouldn't be the right tool for them. But mm -hmm. um, my my sense is that it's just keeping, keeping going with practices that allow you to stay, to stay with yourself. Um, Gaber Mate, who's a teacher that I really admire, he talks about trauma as not what happens to you, but what happens inside of you. Mm. And he says that it's disconnection from the self or disconnection from the present moment. And so um, if we can have practices where we're learning to stay, then that's the medicine, that's the way. And it's just one foot in front of the other and, and noticing, noticing what's there and, and really building the capacity to be the witness for yourself. And I really think that having support is really helpful. And I'm a leader in a TLC, the luckiest club, which is a sobriety support community. And every single meeting, all of when we have meeting leaders, we start with three deep breaths and you know sometimes that's where people start you know sometimes it's just being able to take three breaths and stay with yourself with those three breaths you might be restless you might be thinking about your to-do list or you might be fidgeting with your hands or wanting to check your email or your phone or whatever it is but it's just as simple as staying with it and and learning to stay with yourself and and resourcing to have supports if that's something that you're finding really challenging having um having a teacher having a support that has been huge huge for me um yeah I'm so grateful I've had so many amazing teachers mm. 
Okay, that's very, very cool. Um, about grief, when you talk about your experiences with your dad and then what uh, like the grief process looked like for you when he died, did that yeah. feel really complicated? Like the, the grieving of that because it was, from the sounds of it, very abusive? Or how um, would you talk about that? I wouldn't say that I was as... Um, embodied as myself like uh there was a lot of stuff covering up who I am at that point in my life I was still on a path like I had just taken a a yoga teacher training literally just before I got the call that he had been in an accident like the day I finished yeah so confusion is definitely a something that's come up but it's come up much later like it's more surfacing now than it did then Mm -hmm. um because I didn't you know I remember being I remember being at a store downtown in the town that I lived and and going into the store and all of a sudden who knows what it was that set me off and I was feeling my grief in my body and it was so physically stimulating and powerful and I became so terrified of my grief because it was so um unpredictable of Mm. what it would look like and um it wasn't hard for me in terms of like relating to the loss of my dad because there was that history there of abuse um because I also really loved my dad and um you know I was in a different relationship to his to who he was at that point in time and right before he passed like a few days before he passed we had the most beautiful conversation on the phone and so in a way I had had like this gift from the universe in a way of like closure with him in that sense um but where I'm at in relationship to him now is by nature of me staying on my path of being sober and really meeting what is actually real and what's actually real is there's other emotions present and anger is one of them and sadness um so I would say now I am meeting my grief sober and so I've had the end of this relationship um, with my past partner and it was a really deep connection and a beautiful connection and um, there was it ended in a really hard and unexpected way and um, it's a huge loss and it's touched on it's touched on my deepest pain it's touched Mm -hmm. on that relationship to my dad and now I'm sober now I'm meeting that now I'm meeting that grief and so the way I'm doing that is just by being like just allowing whatever is there to be there and like I said I bow to my anger I bow to it I'm not going to become my anger but I I think a part of my path is really like and a part of my message too to others is really honoring our emotions and the wisdom 
within them. And I know I'm not going to stay in the anger. Um, I had my first session today, my first introduction to the um, EMDR. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we just got a brief intro to it. So Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's good, cool yeah. timing. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be like my next tool of exploring. And um, yeah, and I, I'm sure that'll move quickly and there'll be something else to meet. And and yeah, I do I do believe that I'll get to the other side of this. And at the same time, it's like just meeting yourself where you're at, mm. staying where you're at. And it's honestly one breath at a time. And I've even heard somebody say recently, and I really liked this, was one heartbeat at a time. I thought that was sweet. Oh, yeah. Because your body's just doing it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is so good. I feel like I have so many other things I want to talk to you about, but we're getting so close on time. Um, thank you so much for all of this incredible, incredible wisdom. I think that there's so much to say for just being present with yourself where you are. Yeah. Um, someone... Um, a few months ago, actually, it's that same lady that I told you, or wait, before I get into this, is it okay if the grief part about your dad is in the podcast or do you want me to take that out? Oh no, that's fine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of reminds me of what, uh, that other lady that I was telling you about the meditation teacher on insight timer, Julie said, she was telling this story about meditation and about, um, how, I won't say the whole story, but there was an old lady at this like conference and was saying like, oh, the way everyone's describing meditation, that's how I feel when I knit. And it's (laughs) like anything, it could be look like anything, like playing sports, sitting down, playing a game, like whatever makes you feel in your body. It's just so cool. There's so many, there's just so many opportunities there. Yeah. And when you bring in like, I know we didn't talk a lot about it, but when you bring in uh, sobriety to it and what that whole process looks like with it like yeah. in comparison to when you are drinking or when you are doing drugs and whatnot um it's just like a whole other lens of life and so cool yeah yeah, yeah. I feel really grateful to to be on the path and yeah yeah um well I have I guess just since we're getting so close on time, I have yeah. one more one more question for you, and sure. it is has nothing to do with anything else. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, if you if you listen to any of the other ones, yeah, you yeah. probably know what's coming. I listened. I listened to the one with Amy. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh, and she thought I was on on acid. Yeah, she did. Amazing. Yeah, that was so funny. She was funny. Oh my I love, gosh. I love Amy so much. Yes. Oh, wow. Um, okay, let's see here. I did not brainstorm this before, so let me see what comes to my head. Oh, this is going to be so good. Would you rather every single day, <laughs> every single day, you had to wear, no matter what your outfit is, like whether you're going to some kind of like really formal event or if you're going to the pool or oh if you're goodness. going just like on a date or something like you always have to wear your PJs over your clothes. <laughs> you can wear cool clothes and dress the attire beneath it and show people, but you have to put your PJs back on over your clothes afterwards. They're very cool PJs. They're very, very cool. You get a lot of compliments. They're super cozy, but you just 
you can't go without them. Okay. Um, or would you rather... Hmm. Or would you rather every time you went anywhere, you had to travel there by sitting on top of... <laughs> sitting on top of a Bengal tiger that had a lot of attitude. He was your ride no matter where you went. He, he wasn't, like, mean. He wasn't going to hurt you, but he was super snooty. I, super snooty. I, I've been a junior high teacher. I would totally take the tiger. I... I'm an expert with I'm an expert with snootiness and you asked you asked the perfect question for me because really yeah well the outfits I like a way that I express myself and my creativity is and how I feel about myself is through dress and I really love putting together a fun outfit so so fun I I I wouldn't want that taken away from me so I could handle the tiger Mm, okay I I agree I actually would do the same thing clothes are so much fun and such a cool way to express yourself and PJs are great but not like over your clothes all the time I love I'm wearing PJs right now actually oh me too (laughs) me too oh my gosh the quarantine life has changed many things it's true not sad about the PJ part more regularly but anyway thank you so much again where where can people find your work and like where do you want to tell people to go to find you and whatever you um you do well you can find me um in the luckiest club so TLC I'm a meeting leader and community support there so if you have a desire to get or stay sober then that community is beautiful and I put a lot of heart into being a part of that community and how I show up so you can find me there Mm. and I really appreciate that um, I really appreciate that talking with you has got me thinking about my writing more because Mm -hmm. it is really a medicine for me and um I'm so glad if it resonates with others and helps others on their path so you can find me on Instagram I that's where I share share my writing and um my life and it's Durham Jeev Carr and that's it yeah Awesome. I will put all of that in the show notes below. I think I recently joined the Luckiest Club. I'm oh, really, awesome. It's super recent. I haven't gone on and done anything yet, but cool. uh, I was telling you the other day how I found you. He was originally reading um, the We Are the Luckiest book, and oh my gosh, it just opened a door for so many incredible resources and people and stories. And yeah, so. Cool. Uh, yeah, but thank you again. I'm stoked that I got you excited about writing because now I want to read all of your things. If you uh, have anything else, feel free to send it my way. Thank um, you. But this has been lovely. Thank you so much, Jeev, and we will talk soon whenever I'm over thank- there where you are. And yes, come visit. Yes. Come visit. All right, thank bye. Thank you. Bye. bye.